0: It's great to be together here, and I always think of Jake Rock when we sing that song. I don't know if you do, but man, he whenever it was really a big service, we would come up and sing that song, and so I uh, appreciate Roy, you know, going back to a familiar one for us here, and uh, I'm encouraged to be able to continue our series on Romans and it's awesome, I mean, the women are, that were here, I know you're kind of doing double duty this week, right? You had kind of church yesterday and today, so uh, and this probably will be a little different than yesterday, but we're excited to have everybody here. And I know last week I talked about uh, we had church in the dirt a couple of weeks ago, I, I, that I was going to show you a picture of that, so I wanted to show a couple of the guys. One of them there, Nelson Barreto from... Uh, uh, Rancho was there. It was his first time going off-roading and it was just like so much fun. And, uh, Shay and Darren and, and Stuart from Orange County. And so we're kind of recruiting for church in the dirt next year. So put it on your calendars first weekend in October. I mean, uh, March. And, uh, it's just fun. And the other reason I show that is because church is not just about this time when we're all together and we're all kind of looking forward and, and, you know, it, Sometimes we miss it because we, we don't get to see each other enough, you know, that we just come for like an hour or, you know, however many hours a week, but we don't really get to spend the time. So I want to just encourage you, uh, even if you're here visiting, if you're a member to, you know, get time outside of church to really hang out and get to know people, not just when we have our like Sunday best on, but to see people kick back and relax. And that's really what uh, God's kingdom is about is those kind of relationships Uh, together there and uh, you know this was our this is some of our group I know we saw that video from uh, Lebanon these are some of the leaders there in the Middle East and uh, you know on your left there you can see Magid and Nisa there in uh, Egypt and uh, they're really uh, awesome people he works a full-time job and also leads the church and I forget what he does but he's a he's in HR that's what he's in HR and so he's kind of working a lot Uh, developing all the hr stuff for the church there and they're excited that they just have put on a couple of interns in egypt and one of them is going over to alexandria every week to kind of start uh, a new church over there and you know it's cool to hear you know these old cities and and next to them mofita and jesse uh who were in lebanon leading the work there who we've seen a lot of and samar samar's there in the middle she got to go back it's her first time back in 10 years and uh, she came over here suddenly after her husband passed 10 years ago. So to be able to go back and kind of reconnect, I know she was excited. I think she's staying over there for like a month. Yeah. And uh, just reconnecting with family and, and kind of next to her is where I get a little fuzzy on the names there. But uh, Daniela and uh, Ala. okay, they're also in Lebanon up on the top right uh, of the screen. And then Sammy there. Uh, who's in uh, Jordan, and that's, he's, he was kind of famous in our church maybe 25 years ago. He was uh, imprisoned under Saddam Hussein for a few months. And uh, he, did, he recorded a video after that time, and he kind of became famous, uh, one of our uh, heroes uh, in the faith there. And then next to him is uh, Shadi and his wife, Daniela, are also in Luna. Luna? Oh, she's standing up in the back. Okay, that's what my wife helps me. And Fadia is next to there in the back. So you don't know who I'm talking about, but they're good people there. I can hardly see them, so I know you can't see them, but I just, you know, it's good to just know these are the people that we uh, pray for, that we support, that every year we're about at that two month mark. So we kind of give you a little reminder that we're two months away from our missions contribution on May 15th. And so, uh, be praying for them. We're going to have videos that are coming up and, you know, we want to really have them on our heart, uh, as we go through the year. But in this special time, we try to highlight that work, uh, it, it, more than usual there. So, uh, we just want to share a picture with them. They, they all love you guys. They've been bummed that with COVID, they haven't been able to come and visit. Uh, and so hopefully they'll get to come by, uh, here soon. And, uh. I wanted to, uh, the title of the sermon today is The Bad News Before the Good News, and we'll get to that in just a minute. I had a couple of other little housekeeping things that I wanted to keep you updated on, and uh, every once in a while you get a service where there's just a lot of like announcements, and this is one of those days, so if this is your first time, we don't usually have so many, but I wanted to let you know. Uh, sometimes the spirit moves when you're not uh, ready for you here, but we got news a few a couple of weeks ago that Scott and Theresa, uh Kirkpatrick, who have been in Riverside for a little over a year, uh, they have uh, gotten the call to go to New York City, wow. and so uh, they're going to be going to New York. I know there's a lot of changes in the New York church. Sam Powell, one of the elders there forever, is retiring, and uh, they're going there to help out, and... And just pray for them. I mean, it was really hard on us. They are some of our really great friends. And, uh, just between you and me, I was mad at them for a while because he was leaving us. But I know God, God doesn't always give you a choice on where he takes people, you know. So, uh, we're, we're, we're praying for them as they go. And, uh, we miss them. We will miss them. They leave at the end of the month. Uh, so just coming up here in a, in a couple of weeks. Uh, also, I wanted to, share with you guys. We had our second uh, gender role discussion last Sunday, and it's just been a really good, good talks. Good. Uh, you know, I want to just say that in our church, we we value our women. Amen. You know, we value uh, you because God values you and God made you image bearers. God created you in his image. And we value the men, too. But in a special way, even with Women's Day, we want to say how much we value our, our sisters in the faith. And we, we value all the ways that you serve God. Yep. By raising your kids, yep. by working, by being the voices of God, by holding your families together in a lot of ways, even sometimes without uh, a man in the house. We give you extra love if you're a single mom uh, living for Christ. You know, one of the things that really came out in that time was just the amazing miracles that God has done in our marriages and in our families. And just person after person just shared of the love and respect and submission that they had shared in their relationship in their with their spouse. And there was... Kind of unexpectedly, as we were talking about Genesis 2 and the cre- God's creation, and there was just, there was even tears yeah. of people sharing, man, God has changed my marriage so much that we didn't know what we were supposed to do, and He gave us love, and He gave us grace, and He gave us roles, and, you know, one couple shared, hey, my husband, she didn't use these words, but he, he, he needed to really step up and when he did, my family has been so blessed. And somebody else shared, man, we have this amazing partnership that radically shows God's love in in, in our family, in this world. And it was just an amazing time as we shared and talked. And, you know, we're, we're there was disagreements on different things as we're talking about the how to how to step up the women's role in our church. But the amazing part was there was just an awesome love in the room and just a way that we can talk about difficult issues and still love each other and still cry with one another and still value each other. And so keep praying for us as we continue to discuss. Next time we're going to be discussing 1 Corinthians 11 and 14. So we just want to throw it out there. We want to let you know that we're... We're talking, we're sharing, we're really, but even today, just really want to hold up God's plan for for marriage, for families, for parents, for kids. And one other, maybe unexpected thing that came out of that time was that we really value our single women as well, and our single brothers. You know, and we realize, man, we're such a, Married and family focused church that sometimes we forget about those that aren't married and those that are single and they're going through life and they don't have someone to talk to all the time. They're lonely, but they're faithful and they're serving and they're really giving their heart to the kingdom. And I think I would be remiss if I was going to talk about that meeting and not mention and even challenge us as marrieds that sometimes we get so caught up in our married world that we forget that half the people in our area are not married. And they don't share in your world. They're still trying to love God. And some of them are trying to find a spouse. And they're trying to get through life on their own and raising kids. And so I just want to throw that out there that we can be more aware. Amen. And I want to thank the, the, the women there that really you know, highlighted that because it, it opened my eyes, and I think it helped us to continue uh, that discussion that may have been more than you were looking for, but uh, let's have a prayer, and then we're going to get back into uh, Romans chapter 3, okay? Uh, Father, we're just, we're just so grateful that your word works. Father, help us to humble ourselves and continue to grow, continue to listen to you, continue to listen to one another. I pray even today that you put me aside, that we can really hear your voice as you speak to us, God. We love you. Uh, we need you. We come to you just admitting that, sharing that, uh, change us and revive us and renew us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And so the bad news before the good news. OK, who likes to hear the bad news first? If somebody comes and say, hey, I got the bad news and I got good news. Who wants to hear the bad news first? I have to admit, I'm, I'm kind of a bad news first guy myself. I don't know why you're a bad news first kind of person, but I'm a bad news type of person because sometimes I can be a little cynical, right? So I'm like, okay, let's get the worst thing out of the way. I don't want someone to give me something really good and then cut me down afterwards, right? I'm like, hit me first and then pick me up afterwards. And how many people are the good news first people? You're probably the positive people, right? You're like, hey, I want to hear the good news, you know, I don't really want to deal with the bad news, but there was only three good, bad, good news people first, so I don't know what that says. But if you think about the gospel in a way, it can be seen as bad news first, right? Jesus dies on a cross, and then he raises from the dead. I mean, that's, that's pretty bad news when you look at it on that day. They were all heavy, and then they were all lifted up. And when you think about what we've been looking at in Romans 1 and 2, a lot of it can be seen as bad news. That we don't measure up to the standards that God gives us. Whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, you all fall short. I mean, that's pretty bad news. right? You think you're going to make it, but you're not. And then the other side of it is... Because of Jesus, we can be set free and we can have grace and we can have life. And so it's kind of the, the mixture of these two things at one time, that there's bad news and there's good news. And if you think about your life right now, there's probably not all bad news and there's probably not all good news. You know, if I ask you, if I say, well, tell me the bad news. You probably have a few things to share And it if I tell you that. Tell me the good news, hopefully you'll have some good things to share too. But even scientifically, we tend to go towards the bad news. You know, they've done studies on that, that you you remember the traumatic things, and maybe it dates back to, you know, whenever, when they, you know, walked on a certain road and you see a bear there and you almost die, like you just vow, hey, I'm never going back on that road. It's like a survival instinct. But my hope is that as Christians that we can continue to focus on the good news of the gospel and all the ways that God is moving. And uh, I just looked at this picture and I said, man, I've seen that look a few times. Uh. (laughs) And uh, Chloe's not here, so I could say, yeah, she's given me that look a few times. But that's my daughter for those of you who are new. Uh, So my point number one, I have two points today. Number one is no hippos. And that is really an interesting picture. That's not a real good look, (laughs) right? They're not very attractive. There was even uglier ones, but I figured I'd pick one that was kind of mostly ugly. But no hippos. And we're going to see what we're talking about in a minute here. Uh, But no hypocrites would be the full terminology there, okay, that we're going to see in Romans chapter 3. And so what I want to do for the rest of the day is... Every time we read the word Jew, I want you to substitute in your mind the word Christian or religious. And every time we hear the word Gentile, I want you to substitute non-Christian or not religious. Okay? Because I'm trying to make this, like, connect. Because when we talk about Jews and Gentiles, I kind—I don't know about you, I kind of check out, right? I'm like, well, I don't even use those words. I don't even... I'm not Jewish, so I must be a Gentile, but I don't really connect with, with what that means today. But what was going on here in Rome is they were having some real issues, like racial issues, right? It wasn't just like, oh, this is a cool letter, you know. he's giving, He spends eight chapters talking about this of, of the book, actually 12 he spends 12 chapters talking about Jews and Gentiles, not just because he, he wants to write this amazing discourse, but because they were having real issues and they didn't know how to look at each other. Should I be grateful that I'm a Jew? Should I be upset that I'm a Jew? Is it a good thing that I'm a Gentile? I mean, does God love me as much as he loves that person over there? I mean, that person's had all the blessings, and I've had nothing, and maybe he doesn't love me as much. Does that sound a little familiar? We can have some of those discussions, so trying to make it a little more relevant to our own lives. But I thought the best way to do that was Jews, even though they're not Christians, but in this sense, they're the ones that have been around the Word of God. They've been around the community of God. They have all the rules and regulations of God's people. And not only do they have all the teachings and all the the principles of God, but in their community, they have all the rules of God too. What you need to do and what you don't need to do and what you need to eat and what you need to wear and how you need to look and how you need to talk and how you can just, you know, all those things that, If you've been around church for any length of time, you know what that is, Uh how you act at church and how you don't act at church and what you wear to church and what you say to people and how you don't talk about things that maybe you don't like all the time. And, you know, all the things that people at church can do. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you're probably somebody that's like not familiar with the religious community, which is probably like a lot of us. When I first came to church, I didn't know what the rules were. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what all the regulations were, and I didn't know why everybody was so upset about all these different things that I was doing at different times. But over time, I became to uphold all those rules that I didn't understand. And so, if you're a kingdom kid, anybody grow up in the church? You guys know exactly what I'm talking about, right? These guys know exactly what I'm talking about. So I want you to think about that in a sense of growing up in the church. And so many of us, we grew up in chaos. And then we came into the church and in a way it was a lot of conformity. There was a lot of rules. There was a lot of regulations. And for me, that was a really good thing. My life was so out of control that like rules and like, giving me some parameters and helping me to go this way and don't go that way and don't say this. I mean, that was all really helpful for me because I had made a train wreck of my life and relationships and all kinds of things that I'll tell you another time. But then... We have kids, us who are wild and crazy people, we have kids and they grow up in, don't do this, don't do that, don't say this, be happy, don't, don't, don't walk away from that person. Did you give them a hug? No, you gotta give every single person a hug, you know, and, so, you just get that picture of, man, there's a lot of rules and regulations that if you don't have God, that it's just that, rules and regulations. And so these, some of our kids, they've grown up trying to conform and and so we're surprised when they get of age, they're like, hey, forget this. I want to go have some chaos for a while. And all of us who love the conformity and are like so surprised, like, wow, it's so shocking that now my kid wants to have chaos. That's what we did. (laughs) They're doing the same thing, except they're, doing it in probably a way better way than we did. And so you could call this a Jew, Gentile, Christian, non-Christian. You could call this kingdom kid, non kingdom kid. However you want to look at it, wherever you're at. Let's start reading finally in Romans chapter 2. Okay, it says, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, okay, we, we figured that out, a Christian, a kingdom kid. A church person. If you rely on the law and boast in God. If you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed in the law because you know your Bible. If you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, the lost, the heathen, whatever you might call them. A light for those who are in the dark. An instructor of the foolish. A teacher of little children. Because you have in the law the embodiment and knowledge of truth, then you, then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who boast in the Bible, do you dishonor God by breaking the word? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So my first point, don't be a hippo. That's what he's saying. You're so religious, you, you, you quote scriptures, and yet there are people in Rome that look at you and want to have nothing to do with Jesus. That you feel so good about yourself, but you're actually making things worse, then you're making things better. That when you have a holier-than-thou attitude, people don't just run away from church I mean, walk away, they run away. And so for us as religious people, and I, I never used to like that word, but now that's us, that's me. Yep.
1: Come on.
0: Come on. God is, what is God saying to us? He's saying, don't think you have it all together. That you're not the greatest teacher in the world and just because you know your bible people aren't going to listen to you if you're not humble if your life doesn't match up with your words you know if you don't if we don't confess our sins too because the whole point was we all are falling short we're all messing up all the time and it's so easy to get in that situation where we're judging others and we're we're not we're not, it's not that we're not going to live out our faith. Because every single person in here does not live out their faith perfectly. And you can do all the Bible studies in the world on what it means to be a disciple and just look in the mirror and say, well, how many times am I actually living this out? Is it like 10% of the time? Maybe 20%? I'm a percent person. You know, we, our family, we're weird like that. Like, we just... Connor's girlfriend, the first, after like a, they dated for like a month. She's like, "You guys are always talking about percentages." And so it's like, somebody's telling a story. and It's like, what is the percentage that that's actually true? You know, and what, what, I, I can't even think of all the percentages, but it just made me think, like, what percentage of the time are we actually living like Christ? And I'll give you a hint: if you think it's more than fifty percent, you are totally deceived. Not even close. Not even close. If you think about Jesus, thinking about God, the purity of heart, the, the lack of judgment, the conviction, the, 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 the heart for other people, the tears. I mean, yeah. we need Jesus. Yeah. See, they had gone to church for so long that they felt like they were Jesus. They felt like they were the ambassador to the world, but that doesn't mean that you're Jesus. That you're we're all beggars trying to help other people. We say that, but do we really believe that? Don't be a hypocrite. And when you mess up, acknowledge it. Confess our sins to one another. Amen. You get the point. And if you're not a church person right now, you are thinking, man, this is really awesome stuff. (laughs) You have seen some messed up Christian people in your life. And they don't live it out, and we don't live it out. And they talk a good game, and they're at church, and they're sharing, telling you stories about Church camps and concerts and the whole time you're thinking, man, you are such a hypocrite. I wouldn't go to your church if you gave me a million dollars. That's how I felt. I've been to church just enough to know that, man, these guys are liars. And if you're not a church person, you're thinking, well, maybe. That's about right. 10%, 15%, 25%, that's maybe closer to Right. We're all, we all messed up and we all need Jesus. So if you're messed up, you're in the right place. The second question that they had, and I just went through this chapter and just looked at different questions and just picked a couple. Is it an advantage to be a Jew? Right? So that was their question. Okay, so we all fall short. So is it is it even matter if you're Jewish? And today we're going to talk about, does it even matter if you're a Christian? Does God care? Are you, are you any better off because you're a Christian or a Jew here in this case? In Romans chapter 3, it says, What advantage is there in being a Jew and in what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar. As it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. And so is there an advantage to growing up as a Christian. There's a lot of advantages. There is a lot of security. There is a lot less chaos, hopefully. You grow up knowing the truth and having some decent boundaries in our lives. You get to see people's lives changed. And yet you also get to see other stuff which we, we're we not going to get all into that here. So, yeah, there's a lot of advantages to growing up in the church. Yes. Amen. And sometimes when you're in it, you don't really see it. Right. But every once in a while, you, you go to your friend's house, and you're over there, and you see what their family's like, and you go, oh, man, maybe my parents aren't so messed up after all. <laughs> you know, and you, you see divorces, and you see different things, and you're like, huh. My parents don't talk to me that way. Maybe they're not half bad. You know, so there's a lot that we get. You get friendships in the church of people that you can trust that are your peers. And you see this over and over. I mean, there's so many friendships all around the world even. And they're, what do they have in common? They all grew up in church. Because they trust each other. They're honest with each other. They've learned principles of friendship and loyalty and love that they got from God. (laughs) As imperfect as their parents were, they got some stuff that helped their friendships and helped their lives. And so, what about not growing up in the church? Is there any advantage to that? I don't know if that's even a question in the chapter. Yeah, he talks about that later. But for me, there was a lot of, the biggest advantage that I found not growing up in a real churchy family was when I saw the church, it was so different. That was the biggest thing. I had seen a lot of stuff, and I came to church, and I immediately looked around and go, wow, what is wrong with these people? (laughs) And I was suspicious, like, there's something, something's not right here told you, that's, that's a, the bad news first type of person. Yeah. But then you start getting to see it closer up and you're like, wow, maybe, maybe there's something here. Maybe this whole God thing, maybe, maybe they're not lying. <laughs> and you see the families and you see the kids and you go, wow, God's, God's here. Amen. As messed up as we can be, God is still here. And I realized, not growing up as a Christian, that my way doesn't work. Mm -hmm. How many times do you have to realize that lesson, right? You run into that wall enough times and you realize, you know what? If I do it my way, I'm going to run into that wall again. And it's going to happen the same way over and over and over. So why not try God? That's where I was. I see a lot of people shaking their head. That's where you were too. I know your stories. Yeah, you were there too. (laughs) Could it be worse than what I've done with my life? Let me give God a shot. And that opened up the door to recognizing and reading the Bible and for the first time and just soaking it up and reading it and go, man, there's something here. And then God starts showing up. So there is an advantage. Sometimes when you grow up in the church, you've been around God so much that it's, lost a lot of sparkle. It's not so awesome anymore. It's not like a wow factor. When I came, it was a wow factor. And that's not good or bad. That's just, you have to find God. Even if you grew up in church, it doesn't mean you just find him. you gotta, you got to find him. And he's got to show up to you to make your faith real. And what does he say here? He says, you know... uh, Will their faithfulness nullify God's unfaithfulness? You know I had to read that a few times, to figure out what. What does that mean in, in real life? God is separate from church. God is separate. Whatever you've seen at church, whether it's good or bad, God is way different than that. Yeah. He, he's perfect, He's loving, he's holy, he's trustworthy. He's the real deal. So just because you have seen or haven't seen the real deal, don't let that keep you from seeing God. And if you grew up going to church and you have all these rules and all that stuff, that's not God. You got to find God, not just all the different rules that you feel like you need to follow. That God is bigger than your church experience and mine. And he closed it off here. He says, So you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. And I thought Roy did an amazing job talking about God's judgment last week and why he judges and how he judges and that picture of God's wave building. I mean, I still got that in my mind that this is building up and it's going to crash on me or it's going to go down depending on how I respond to God. You know, And I love that vision. But even thinking about, God is the judge of every single one of us. That's not a real popular thing these days. But I thought about it in different, in a different terms. Imagine if I went up to your, your, your kid and just put him in timeout. You know, you don't know me, I just walking down the street, your kid does something. Hey, that was disrespectful. You got to time out. So I take this total stranger's kid and put him in timeout. What's going to happen? Right? We're going to get, the DCF's going to get called. I'm going to be arrested for, uh, you know, messing with the kid. But with our own kids, we feel like totally different, right? Hey, if our kid's mouthing off or whatever, sometimes we don't do it fast enough, but eventually we're like, you know what? You got a timeout, man. Give me that phone. What are we doing? We're judging our kids. We're helping them, but we're judging them. We're, we're punishing them. And why do we have the right to do that? Because they came from us. Right? We, for all intents and purposes, we created them. And so if you believe that God created us, And he has that same ability to discipline us, to put us in time out, and ultimately to judge us. Why? Because he created us. If he didn't create us, he has no business doing that. But if he created us, we're his. Whether we want to say it or not, we came from him, and so we end up before him. And that's a powerful thing. Whether they were Jews or Gentiles, he's saying, hey, he created all of you guys, and guess who you're going to get to meet someday? Jesus. And so I love that picture of coming before our Father who created us. And finally, my last thought here. It's bad. I don't remember what time I started here. Is the Jew loved more than the Gentile? Is the Christian loved more than the non Christian? Is the church person loved more than the non church person? You say no. But do you believe that? Yes. Do you live that? Do you feel that? Somebody says yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I would just push back on that yes, 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 for just a minute. Because we all, and nothing, not, not about that person, I was going to do that anyway, so. <laughs> so today I'm out, I'm getting ready to preach this lesson, you know, I, I know, I'm th- so I'm thinking about all these things, you know, judgment, and is it better to be a Christian, non-Christian, how's God going to judge us, are we going to, how are we going to judge other people? So I'm just walking out of my gate with my little dog Roxy, and we're going down the street, and and um, we're walking by, and I look up, and there's a guy, and he is relieving himself. You know, his back's to me. It's cool, but he's up against the wall relieving himself, and he's not a homeless guy. He, like, lives in my neighborhood. (laughs) I don't know who he is. I'm just like, well, you know, nature calls, you know, when nature calls, nature calls, but so I'm walking. It's really uncomfortable. I'm getting, like, 10 yards away, 10-15 yards from the guy, I'm walking like gonna go right by him. And I was like, this is not cool. I gotta go this way. And so I turn around, <laughs> pretend I gotta walk back the other way, and walking this way, and go, man, okay, how long is it gonna take this guy? When I could turn around, not make him feel uncomfortable. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, what an idiot! <laughs> I'm like, this guy is so stupid. <laughs> like peeing on the wall, like not on the dirt, on the wall, and then not even looking around. I'm like, man, this guy is an idiot. He's older than me. I'm like, what's wrong with you, man? And so he leaves. I'm just being honest, right? You wouldn't, you would think similar stuff unless you're maybe the uh, good news first people. Maybe you wouldn't. (laughs) So I walk in, you know, he's gone. I let him get a little far away. I walk in and so I'm going in my prayer walk and I'm just praying about the lesson. And then it hits me about 10, 15 minutes later. I'm praying and I am in this construction site and I'm trespassing because they left the gate open. And I'm like, and here I'm calling him stupid and I'm, I'm breaking the law too. And because I'm praying, I feel like, oh, well, God's cool with this because I'm praying to Jesus. I mean, I can go wherever I want to (laughs) go. You see what I'm saying? So you don't call people stupid. You don't think people are idiots sometimes. You don't get frustrated because they don't do things the right way. That's what I'm talking about. That's that 25% thing I was talking about.
1: <laughs>
0: Count how many times you do that tomorrow. You'll probably be in double digits. <laughs> if you work closely with people, you'll probably be in double digits after one day.
1: <laughs>
0: God loves the religious person, exactly the same as he loves the non-religious person. In our story, we both need the love of God. But my challenge is when you walk around, see if you feel that same love for other people as you do for the person right next to you right now. And see God in them, even if you don't like what they're doing, even if you don't know them, whatever, that's a really tough thing. To see Jesus and think that God created this person. God created this person. He loves them just as much as he loves me. I don't deserve love any more than that guy because I somehow made this really spiritual decision to follow Jesus the only way I'm getting into heaven is because of the grace of God because I don't deserve it. And now that's easy to say when I'm standing up here. But if I'm real honest, that's not here. That's here, but that's not here. Sometimes it's here, but most of the time it's not. That's the challenge for the Roman church. They were mixed. They had Jews and Gentiles, and the Jews felt like, oh man, you guys are eating this junky food. You're eating all that bad stuff. You're, you're doing all these things wrong. You don't know the Bible. You're, you're, you know, they were probably doing the same thing. They were in double digits too at church. And what does he say? What do we, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage as Jews? Not at all. So yeah, you have some advantages, and here he's like, nope. We all, we already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. But Jesus, I, I seek God. You do, but not all the time. But not perfectly. But not like Jesus but not enough to get yourself to heaven. That's a good place. I'm going to just read Romans 3, and we're going to close out here. Because he gives us a little glimpse of where he's going. He says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, between fill in the blank, kingdom kid, and and not. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. He gives us this vision of forgiveness, of freedom, of life with Christ. He said that Jews and Gentiles, you both get the same view. You can't boast about how good you are. And that's something I want us to think about this week. Also, is how we look at other people, like I was saying, but... To not boast except about Christ. And whenever you feel good about yourself, be grateful to God that He enabled whatever it is to happen to you. Amen. And to do the right thing. Even though we're not saved by our good works, we can still do the right thing. He so said, just Amen. don't nullify your faith, do the right thing. Amen. You're not going to be perfect, but don't stop doing the right thing. Amen. That's how people are going to see Jesus, not because you're perfect but because you're trying to do the right thing because you're honest when you're falling short and in that way they can see the light of christ so that's all i got here for today let's let's not be hypocrites church let's realize that god loves all of us the same and then uh, please stand up we'll have our closing song